two wizards. Two wizards? Two wizards. Two wizards. Uh, well, Mark, I gotta tell you, man, I think uh, at least out here in the Midwest, um, the the temperature's fallen off, uh, I don't know, probably like five or six degrees. And oh, yeah? There's, uh, yeah, they're starting, to, they're starting to get that sort of like crispness that accompanies autumn and... Uh, God damn, it's about time, man. <laughs> I I'm ready for this. I'm ready for the summer thing to be over. I'm over it. I'm over summer. It's also still 80 degrees here every friggin' day of the week, so <laughs> that's been that's been cool. But I almost got jumped by raccoons yeah. going to work. That's been fun. No, we're Alamos turned picture. into goddamn Pawnee, Indiana, man. Like <laughs> packs of roving raccoons. No, uh, I totally saw that uh, saw that tweet that you posted, and I've been meaning to ask you, like, yeah, what the shit? What happened? Because, like, listeners, it was it was three of them, four, four of them? them, four raccoons. Yeah, it was it was a it was a posse. It was just like, oh, there's one little trash panda looking for a donut or whatever. No, it was a full on raccoon gang. Um, yeah, like Clockwork Orange of raccoons, just looking out for a bit of ultra violence. Yeah, no, it's like five. It's like 10 minutes to 6 a.m. in the morning and I'm going to work and I don't have a car or one car household and I live 150 yards from where I work. So it's cool. So like I'm mm. humping up the street and I see this. Is that a mangy ass cat? God, what happened to that poor cat? I can't even walk right because, you know, it's back is all humped up and shit. And then I keep looking and suddenly there's two mangy cats and then three. And I'm like, good Lord, who's murdering cats? And then it hits yeah, me. Oh, no, these are raccoons. Okay, cool. Just be real mellow. Raccoons are squirrely. Don't mess with it. Yeah, they're probably more afraid yeah. of you than you are of them, whatever. But I also know they have rabies and I don't know how to call my boss and go, hey, I got rabies. Yeah, you would, yeah that that's just one of those things where it's like, you know, 99.92% of the time going to be fine. Yeah, just like you're saying, they're more afraid of you than you are of them. But that 0.8 chance of getting rabies, yeah, count count me out. Yeah, like, what, eight shots in your gut? But so, like, I'm walking up the street, right. and they kind of, like, they split up, and three of them book it into the ditch on the left, and then the other one crosses the street on the right and realizes that was the wrong move because it starts freaking out and chittering, and then the other three in the ditch start freaking out and chittering, and I'm just like, oh, God, this is how it happens. And then I cross the street, they reform and then they start heading my way. And I'm like, no, no. Okay. This is, I don't want to die this way. And they're like, wait, don't go that way. There's a huge thing. Go the other way. And that's when I snapped the picture of them (laughs) running away. But yeah, four raccoons, like none of them were big. I think they were all probably babies from this year or something, but it was Mm -hmm. worrisome. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and especially yet, uh, that, that hour of the morning and, uh, you know, growing up in Alamosa, I remember the day when a when a when a man could get up and walk to work at five a.m. and not be harassed by raccoon droogs. So, uh, rat droogoons. Well, no, that sounds like dragoons. Yeah. Which which that would that would also be really creepy. Like walking to work at five a.m. and here's a bunch of like fifteenth century Polish. Uh, like knights galloping down. Oh shit! The winged hussars. Cheese it. <laughs> Cheese it. <laughs> oh, oh man. man. Okay, who would win in a fight? A pack of raccoons or a pack of winged? <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. Anyway, everybody, uh, this was probably not the cold open 
you expected like here i was saying like oh yeah the autumn's coming around and then we skidded hard into uh just the early morning terrors of um almost in the san Luis valley but welcome you survived mark survived i survived somehow and we're here in a new episode of the two wizards podcast and my name is josh and i'm a wizard and i'm mark and i think i might be a raccoon whisperer but i'm also a wizard Which, yeah true like well because uh uh, what's the what's the like subcategory of wizard that yeah like summons critters and uh, druid can do a, yeah 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 you, maybe that's part of it too you uh, we're channeling channeling your druid and uh, maybe when you brushed your teeth clockwise instead of counterclockwise that was the spell to summon um, raccoon pack for oh, fourteen MP. <laughs> How cool would that be, though? That'd be really cool. Just summon to stuff like, to. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and and truly, you'd have to be really careful. It's like, oh crap! I I scratched my right earlobe because it was kind of itchy, and now here's a here's a bull moose just right next to me. <laughs> God, tearing things up. Yeah, right. Exactly. Gotta gotta commit that shit to memory. So, <laughs> are you touching yourself? No. Why? There's a bunch of crows outside. No. 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 <laughs> Damn it! Damn it! Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, well, and 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 even before we started recording, I I let drop that I was I was kind of in a weird headspace, and, and you were saying that you're again just dealing with the, the, another day in in uh, uh, El Valle de San Luis, and so and so yeah, listeners, forgive us if this was a bit of a bit of a screwball uh, opening here but you know maybe we'll try maybe we'll try to get things back on track uh, let's talk about what we have yeah try nobody hold their breath please um, nah man like if that was but, the worst uh, thing you heard all day well buckle up because the next hour and 30 minutes is going to get even weirder yes this is this is also true this is also true well and to help us uh, uh, get through that weirdness uh, in the next hour and a half uh, what do you have in your wizard's chalice uh, th- th- this time Mark I'm being the basicest of bitch I've ever been. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a blue moon with an orange wedge in it. No, it's, uh, that's okay. You just gotta, you know, gotta pull that trigger every once in a while. And Yeah, I mentioned I got off work late and I didn't have time to, like, swing by the liquor store and get something good or enjoyable. And hey, guess what's still not here? That's right, pumpkin beers. Got it once and never again. But so I, I was just like, what's cheap? I don't want to spend money on booze. I just don't care. Hey, blue moon. That's passable. Yeah. So, yeah. Lock it in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you ever get into the snake bite craze? Because like I think my last couple of years, I was I was way into snake bites. Um, no, I never liked them. them. I know you were way into them, but yeah, I and it was I I I drank deeply. Um, but yeah, listeners, if uh, if memory serves, I believe it's half a blue moon and half a cider. Um, call it a snake bite. I've also heard people doing it with like a with like a dark beer though, like a stout, like half stout, half cider, and calling that Weird. a snake bite. Which yeah, I tried that once. I think I did, yeah, fifteen fifty four in like Angry Orchard, and I was Ooh. mad at myself because I ruined a fifteen fifty four. Oh, <laughs> but um, yeah, well, and I, I think I kind of have. I'm, I'm in a kind of a similar spot. I, I didn't go out and get anything special. The Mrs. Wizard didn't go out and get anything special. Uh, and I think in anticipation of having pumpkin beer, I, I was thinking like, I'm, I'm just going to clean out what's in our fridge currently i thought about doing a doing a homebrew 
that Sierra Madre. But I thought, no, there's all these summer beers I need to clear out and make make room for the good stuff. So I have with me a Market Garden Brewery out of uh, Cleveland, Ohio. I have their Shandy. Okay. Um, and so and so yeah, it's uh, weirdly light, fruity beers to kind of close out summer a little bit. Yeah, and and I think precisely yeah. that it's just just like I I I would feel kind of guilty if these just sat in the back of my fridge until March or something. Uh, so I thought, yeah, I'll just I'll just knock these out. Uh, so yeah, I have a couple of those. Uh, and just real quick, uh, brewed with all natural lemon juice and peel, this thirst quenching shandy is a vibrant blend of a pale wheat beer and sparkling lemon soda. Its fresh, sit- sweet citrus notes come together for a lively and energizing brew. Uh, so I guess I'll be the judge of that if I'm feeling a little uh, kind of flat or whatever. We'll see if we'll see if this is an energizing brew or not. But uh, all right, all right. Well, here's Anya. Cheers, buddy. Yeah, blue moon. Yep, that that's a shandy. That's a shandy. Yeah, Which, that's uh, all right. Yeah, and, so and, and we'll again. be into pumpkin beers and stouts and right. like everything double and it'll be great. It'll be fine. Yeah, it's it's uh it's like cutting weight before um getting into the good stuff and then and then you just enjoy those yeah those stouts and those pumpkin beers and porters all the more because you remember how meh all these summer beers were. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all righty well oh. i guess uh so yeah we'll just we'll just uh have our drinks and uh i believe you had something uh prepared for this time around mark what what do you have for us what do you have for the listeners what do you have for me what are we talking about well so before i give you my topic i want to play just a really quick game with you josh okay or not a game i guess it's like what's a rhetorical riddle if it looks like a duck if it walks like a duck if it quacks like a duck what is it well, I would, my first in- instinct is to say that it's a duck. Okay. I want you to keep that in mind okay. as, as we go through this whole thing. Cause like maybe it's a duck and maybe it's a horrible goose out of the bowels of hell that can shape shift or, yeah, or, or maybe just... it's a, a plastic decoy with a thing attached with a recorder attached mm-hmm. to it or something. I don't know, but just keep in mind that maybe the most obvious explanation isn't the right one. We're going to take uh, Occam's razor and shove it up his ass and say, you don't know anything. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, that was maybe a little. What's in these shandies? I've had three sips. and I like an evil like Josh a, is a good Josh. Yeah, now I'm the ultra-violent raccoon over here. So, <laughs> Okay, well, uh, maybe I'll, I'll, just, I'll just calm myself down here. So, so then uh, <laughs> what, is this, what is this topic that may or may not actually be a duck or maybe something worse? We're going to discuss something today called the Tunguska event. Oh, right. Have you right. heard of this? Do you know about this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I uh, I think I've like uh, maybe listened to it mentioned on a podcast or two. I, I forget the title. And just kind of like know of it generally. But for our listeners who are maybe hearing about this uh, thing for the first time, what what is the Tunguska event? We don't know. I mean, uh, we know. We know yeah. what it is. We know what the after effect of it was, but we don't really know what it was. But so we're just going to start at the very, very way back. It's seven fifteen in the morning on June 30th, 1908. Uh, this is in way South or way Northeast Russia up in Siberia along the Tungus river, 
Uh, kind of close to the north, or the, yeah, kind of close to the northern tip of Lake Baikal. Okay, okay. All right. So at 7.15 in the morning, um, something was seen to light up the sky to be super bright. Some accounts give it a tail, like a meteorite or a comet or an asteroid or whatever. Uh, some accounts give it like a giant smoking plume behind it. Others mm. say that whatever it was glowed red hot. Whatever it was lit up the sky super bright. Oh, who's that I hear? Oh, it's a, that's a Tompkins, I think. Oh. It was... Uh, well, so... Also, we were kind of uh, uh, slacking in our cat parent duties. Um, uh, listeners, I think I mentioned this on previous episodes. Uh, it's at the beginning of the month that these Devon Rex cats that we have, because they have their weird uh, fur, uh, you, you're really not supposed to give other cats a bath, but Devon Rexes you do. And so it was actually their bath day today. We were kind of slacking. And so maybe he's... Not completely forgiven us that it was bath day today. <laughs> so yes, if you hear him or Quincy or Monroe, I'll I'll, I'll definitely uh, call them out by name, give them little shout outs. So it's been a while since we've had a, a Tompkins sighting. Yeah, it it yeah it, it is it is. Yeah. Um, usually he just finds a sunny spot and like passes out, but I guess he has some grievances to air. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so anyway, this thing produces a super bright blinding flash, and then it produces a sh- series of shock waves and loud bangs. Some people say describe these bangs as like artillery fire. Others report it as like the falling of rocks. Mm. Uh, so okay, so also I don't know how to do this. Uh, indigenous Russians, not not like the white Russians, but these are like indigenous yeah. like tribal Russians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're going to show up a lot in this story, and they're it, for really cool, fun reasons. But uh, this account comes. There was an account by two uh, Ankvi, who were camping, and they said they were camping 25 uh, miles away from wherever this blast occurred, and they uh-huh. said they were woken up by like this super super strong wind, or they thought it was wind, and they just kind of stayed hunkered down in the tent. The tent blew over, everything blew over, they got blown over. But when they got out and examined everything, the hides that made up their tents had been burnt clean of all the hair that covered them holy cow yeah a little bit weird a guy named s Simonov, who lived in the town of vanavara which was 40 miles away from this explosion he reported suddenly in the direction of the north over the over the tunguska road the sky split in two and fire appeared high and wide over the forest the split in the sky grew larger and then the entire northern side was covered with fire at that moment, I became so hot that I could not bear it as if my shirt was on fire. From the northern side where the fire was came strong heat. I wanted to tear my shirt off and throw it down, but then the sky shut closed and a strong thump sounded, and I was thrown a few meters. I lost my senses for a moment, but then my wife ran out and led me into the house. After that, such a noise came, as if rocks were falling or cannons firing. The earth shook, and I was... And when I was on the ground, I pressed my head down, fearing that rocks might smash it. When the sky opened up, hot wind raced between the houses like from cannons, which left traces in the ground like pathways, and it damaged some of our crops. Later, we saw that many windows were shattered, and in a barn, er, and and in the barn, part of the iron lock had snapped. That's oh my god, that's so kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, and how and. You said he was about how far away from where we think this thing happened? Uh, 45 miles. 
See, because that's the other thing too, right? So he's like, twenty miles farther, or he's twenty miles farther away than the um, Angvi brothers were. That's so crazy. The, the, yeah, yeah. That type of energy will pass through uh, the, the 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 all that all that atmosphere with all that energy and, and all that heat. Uh, that oh my gosh, that's so crazy. That's so crazy. Yeah, it's to do insane. that for yeah forty five miles. Whew. Oh, no, oh, no, no, 45 miles, no. Okay, you ready to get even dumber or worse? Like, no. (laughs) So, the blast itself cleared 830 miles of trees. That's 80 million trees, Josh. Like, what do you... Oh, my God. (laughs) The shockwave damaged windows up to to 1,000 kilometers away, or in villages... Or, no, sorry. Yeah, damaged windows up to 500 kilometers away... Over a thousand people reported injuries. At least one man died when he was picked up and thrown 40 feet. Or 40, sorry, 40 meters. That's 120 feet. Oh my god. That's so... Which, because, yeah, like, you think you... uh, I I just want to reiterate for everybody, maybe we're desensitized to just what kind of force that is, because... We have things like CGI in movies and the the stereotype of, oh, there's an explosion and the hero gets pushed like, I don't know, five feet or ten feet or something like that. A hundred and twenty feet. That's so yeah. crazy. That's so yeah. Crazy. <laughs> like, what, do you, what do you do with that? What, do you, yeah, um, what can you do? What can you do? No, literally nothing. You get picked up and thrown like a friggin' ragdoll because that's all you are. Like... Yeah, um, no, no, totally. Seismometers, the earthquake detecting devices, um, in so across Europe into the Dutch Indies, that's Indonesia, and then down to Washington D.C. in America, all registered a magnitude five earthquake at the exact same time. Oh my god! Uh, two days after this initial blast, uh, it rained black sooty rain for, for it just rained black soot. <laughs> And then for the next two days, um, the sky glowed at night. There's reports of, like, in Scotland, they were taking pictures without flashbulb. And, uh, again, this is 1908. Like, Right, yeah. This isn't, we have my camera phone and I can just flip the flash on or whatever. This is 1908. It's dark out all the damn time. And they were taking pictures without flashbulbs. And at least for that, we have a little bit of an idea of what it could be. There's this thing called an ice halo effect. And what it is, is light will get trapped in ice crystals up in the atmosphere, and the residual burn-off of the light just stays up there. And you can see this now with um, rockets. Really famously, like the SpaceX stuff, leaves that great big oh, yeah. huge burn trail mm-hmm. in the sky. And that's just this um, halo, this uh, ice halo. Yeah, cause, well, cause, uh, and, and especially with uh, um, SpaceX, their, their first stage uh, rocket propellant fuel is, is hydrogen and, and oxygen. And so they yeah. burn those together, and it make, it makes water. So, well, and I want to say too, uh, less extreme, but I've seen that event uh, in in person. Just certain weather conditions on certain uh, winter nights, uh, the moon's really bright, and there's all these ice crystals in here. You get that, you, you and then you look up at the moon, you see a big mm-hmm. ring, you see a big halo uh, uh, around it. So I think, yeah, you're right. If that, if and and, and it does make the full moon. Uh, all that much uh, brighter. So mm. stands to reason, stands to reason that whatever happened with this thing um, 
made a bunch of water that just froze and hung out in the atmosphere for, for a couple of days. But it also, that residual light burn lasted for two days. Just yeah, that's... SpaceX lasts, what, five, 15 minutes? Like... Yeah, you'll you'll see yeah, like someone on Instagram being like, "What's happening? Are these aliens?" And they take a picture, and everybody's like, "No, buddy, it's just there was a there was a space SpaceX launch today. That's all you're seeing." Uh, and and then yeah, you're right. Those dissipate within yeah, like a matter of like maybe at most like an hour. Um, the aliens, yeah, like yeah, it's it's so woof woof. Yeah, um, locals. All across this region, especially the local the local Tungus tribe, Tungus tribe, sorry, and Ankvi tribes, they both all reported their herds of reindeer just being knocked dead. I, I mean, I'd imagine thousands so. If it's... Of, thousands of reindeer were just knocked dead. Just that's it. Yeah, if it if if it was able to throw a, a full grown adult, um, you know, like one hundred twenty. 130 feet um how many ever miles away and yeah if they were closer i'm i'm just amazed that those two brothers just like ah crap what's going on let's i don't know let's just duck our heads down i'm i'm amazed they survived that that's unreal which it's insane to me but i almost wonder if like wherever they're at if they're i guess it's not the eye of the storm but the eye of the storm you know what i mean like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe it's safer closer i don't i don't know that's that's stupid never mind what's it yeah i'm not a Tunguska event um, <laughs> expert here. I, I maybe maybe it does like a horseshoe or a, or like a like like its own kind of halo ring pattern. Uh, whatever oh. causes this thing. Oh, you just wait for that one, buddy, because that's about to get real weird. Oh God! Oh, what have I done? Yeah. What's in the again? What what's have in the shandies? you done? <laughs> what's in these shandies? So, what the hell was this? We don't know. They didn't know. Uh, the Siberian Times reported that it was a meteor and they reported this wrong they said that a meteor had fallen it close to the vill- to the city of Kansk. okay and they said that and i don't know where they got this from but it, it's, it's journalism in the 1908s across siberian russia it's again right. this happened three thousand kilometers from the capital like literally this is the middle of nowhere and like the siberian times picks it up but they reported that a meteor had struck near Kongsk. And people went out and they saw this meteor and it had a glowing red tip and it was embedded in the ground and that was about it. So one theory that it was a meteor and that one stuck around until a little bit later on. Another theory was by the uh, Tungus people. They said that the thunder god Ogde was pissed off and he sent his vengeance in the form of iron-winged thunderbirds with glowing red eyes to clear the forest and strike down anything that lived in it. And anybody who would go into the forest after that would be cursed and they would die too. And I kind of like that explanation best because, hell, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah, if if we're going to do this, if, if we're going to... Because going off the same amount of evidence, I don't think anybody had... Going back to that this happened in 1908, uh, yeah, got the same amount of evidence. And if uh, one explanation includes... Uh, iron thunderbirds uh yeah i want that one i want that <laughs> it literally makes as much sense to me as anything else because accounts differ some people saw something look like a comet others report seeing like a cylinder and then that cylinder explodes and then there's the giant pillar of smoke that spreads up a lot of people josh are described a lot of people describe like essentially a nuclear blast but this is 1908 we still have another 30 something years before we get into a, a nuclear bomb 
Yeah, I just, I, well, because there's this other kind of uh, hypothetical weapon, and I, I don't know if this was in your notes or something like that, but there's these, there's these other kind of hypothetical uh, orbital strike weapons called uh, the rods from the gods. And it's essentially okay. just, and it's essentially just like a big cylinder of a heavy metal, uh, typically tungsten, that is, you just spend a whole bunch of energy putting these things up in orbit. And then when it's time to drop them down on uh, your target, you just slowly deorbit them. So it kind of lands roughly in the same spot. And uh, instead of just burning up like other uh, uh, meteors or, or anything like that, they're, they have just enough mass and just enough, um, uh, uh, like coincidentally, like not enough energy. Because if they had too much energy, then yeah, they would burn up. But no, like you right. just drop like quarter mile long uh rods of tungsten down and you can't oh do anything God. about it yeah like you can't do anything about it it's gonna it's gonna just annihilate whatever there is so god that's awful i i love yeah. it that's awful that like i really i'm really proud of us for coming up with a non-nuclear weapon of mass yeah. destruction that's fantastic good for go humanity go yeah, right, yeah. Pull out to dana pull out to dana but so so who knows maybe this was uh in 1908 when did when did Robert Goddard come up with the rocket equation? I think it was sometime around then. Maybe he um, accidentally. Yeah. Maybe he accidentally Wait. put a put a rod from the god in the atmosphere, and then it just its orbit decayed naturally and just happened to. Uh, <laughs> figure happened figure to... von Braun hadn't really figured out his uh, V two program quite yet, but. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, Robert Goddard was uh, 1882 to 1945. So okay, maybe m- maybe a 26-year-old <laughs> Robert Goddard I was like, "No, this will win first place at the science fair for sure." It just goes screaming <laughs> off. It's like, "Oh. Oh geez, I oh. <laughs> I mean, it'll Uh-oh. come down some it'll come down sometime. It'll be okay." Robert, it's dinner. Mama making rockets. We're having mashed potatoes and gravy. <laughs> I don't know why Robert Goddard loses his shit for mashed potatoes and gravy, but he sure does. He sure does. That uh, that man knows what he likes. <laughs> Rocketry no, no, no. And to the moon, and, and then he runs the inside. <laughs> well, and that's it. And then he gets his mashed potatoes and he forms it into a spheroid and makes little craters with his spoon. Robert, how many times do I have to tell you don't play with your food? If you turn your mashed potatoes into, into a, a natural satellite, you'll you'll go to bed without any supper. But ma'am, but mom, I need the schnitzel and strudel to make up the orbital patterns. Yeah. <laughs> What's my constant X? Yeah. Your boy's got his head in the clouds, Goddard. Tell him to focus on things that matter, like yeah. dodgeball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lordy. So, so, so anyway. Journalism, so, anyway. Yeah, so a so couple hypotheses. Maybe it was a meteor, meteorite. Because um, if, it's, if it's in space, it's a meteor, right? When it's going through the atmosphere, it's a meteoroid. 
and then when I... it actually lands, it's a meteorite. Isn't that what it is? Sure, I don't know. Yeah, I I think that's right. No, I think it's a meteor is when it gets to Earth. Meteoroid is extraplanetary, and the meteorite is when you can see it like streaking or something, right? I don't know. It's it's something. I again, little Josh in sixth grade who committed this to memory. I'm I'm sorry. I'm letting you down now, buddy. <laughs> I know you were really proud of yourself for that like two weeks. Um, knowing the difference between these three things, but but how could just... you remember it? You had to fill your head with fucking cryptid Olympics, like <laughs> yeah, true, yeah, true. There were other things, and then eventually uh, 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 girls too. So yeah, that's... also that, also that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Still waiting well, on that okay. one, but whatever, it's fine. Yeah. So, so yeah. So so uh, just also very quickly consulting Wikipedia. Meteoroid is when it's in interstellar space. Meteor okay. is when it's traveling through the atmosphere. Meteorite okay. is when it hits the surface and sticks there. So that's that's okay. what that is. That's what there that we is. go. The like two listeners who are gonna if they get this wrong, I'm gonna unsubscribe. Just don't just don't worry about it. You got it taken care of. Thank you for joining us all this time. We got you covered. We got you, boo. <laughs> this was their final straw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those sons of bitches. Those sons of bitches. <laughs> all right so really we don't know what this was and a big part of why we don't know what this was is because this occurred in the middle of nowhere in russia in 1908 mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. literally the best idea they had was from the siberian times going oh yeah it was a meteorite that hit the ground cool that's fine it wasn't until 19 the 19 so like 1927 when this guy literally the swinging dick of awesome. The swinging dick of go communism in 1927. A, guy, a mineralogist named Leonid Kulik. He decided that he was going to go find this meteor, this Tunguska meteor. And he was going to bring back all that sweet meteoric iron and all that sweet iridium and all that sweet vanadium and all the other neat stuff that comes out. Because at this point, remember, the best account he had was from the Siberian times. That's what he took it as. And this is 20, 21 years later mm-hmm. um, when he decides he's going to go find this meteor. This mm-hmm. guy was imprisoned by the Tsarist state three times for promoting <laughs> communism. So you already know that the Duma trusts him. This is yeah. like... So the, also, Josh, this is post World War One. Another right. big reason yeah. why this didn't get investigated because Russia was sort of busy, like you know, yeah. murdering its leaders and then murdering Germans and all this good stuff. Yeah, but there like, was both uh, both the Russian Revolution and the Great War, so they kind of kind of had their hands uh, full with some other things. Yeah, they've got better things to do than look for stupid meteor rocks that may or may not have fallen three thousand kilometers from the goddamn capital. They, they didn't care, but Kulik right. does. And he's trying to, like, bring glory to the motherland in the name of communism. He's a real party member. And so he just immediately sets out for Kursk because that's where the Siberian Times said, hey, well, this thing fell. And he goes, well, hot shit, I can go get down on this. I'm sure no one else has. The Russian government totally funds him. And I think it's fantastic. He totally, yeah, he gets full funding from the Russian government in the name of, and I forget the, some university, I want to say Moscow University, their science department. So he gets full on he gets full on funding for it, and he goes to Konsk and immediately figures out that he is not in the right place. He's not where this thing fell, but everybody in has a story about it. So he circulates a questionnaire and gets a better also in weird like I just imagine Russia as being very, very bureaucratic. And I don't know if this is me like 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Super bureaucratic. They've got the names. They got the titles. All the stuff. He submits a questionnaire to people, and they give him like, "Oh no, it was over here. This happened. This happened." So <laughs> right. then he kind of gets the better idea that it was like up by um, Lake Baikal, uh, further away from Kursk, and takes another expedition out that way in 1927. Mm, or so no, this, sorry. This is post twenty seven. This is after his guy. This is in thirty one. Okay. Well, because because I I know um I briefly what was this? I was on like a couple of committees or a couple of meetings like like inter university or intra university committee meetings, um and I was chatting with this dude uh, who was getting his PhD in Russian literature, mm-hmm. and like just again like offhand conversation, what he was telling me about how sort of like typical russian uh populace interacts yeah like i think kind of confirms that like there's a there's well but then again this could be like post-communism too but it was very much a whole like oh no yeah uh uh you need help with this thing let's just all gather together and like collaborate and uh like like this grad student was telling me when they take tests in russia the the teacher distributes the tests and says, all right, be, this is due in two hours, and then walks out of the room. And then everybody, like all the students, like gather together and like help each other out to be like, all right, uh, here, I, I have a pretty good idea for number seven. I'll take this one. And so, okay. I, and so I think there is, yeah, some of that too. Like, oh, here's a dude who has a couple of questions. Yeah, I can, I can fill out this questionnaire. Sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But so he gets the general idea of where this thing is, and he decides that it's up closer in the uh, in the Tungusk River Basin. So now he has this heading, and the only thing left for him to do is figure out a way to get up there. Because getting out to Vanavara in, or getting out to Kursk in the first place was kind of a bitch, but then getting out to Vanavara, where he thinks he has a heading of, like that's so Vanavara is the closest point to this point. And remember, that's uh, forty, that's sixty, or yeah, forty-five miles away, sixty kilometers away. I'm also screwing up kilometers to miles. Sorry, guys. The two yeah. of you who get really mad at Imperial Pavements <laughs> can hit me up on Twitter. And also probably that distance uh, without roads, not even like dirt, you know, like I'm sure it's like 40, 45 miles or whatever of uh, just like thick uh, Siberian forest or whatever. Well, also, it's super important to note that like, as he's doing this, it's the um the close of the Russian summer. So he's got to, like, wait for this window before he can travel because, as Napoleon and Hitler both know, you don't go to Russia in the winter. Not even true. once. Yep, true. But then also the springs are terrible because all that snow and shit melts. And, like, the best uh, – oh, man, what's – it's a Dan Carlin bit, and he's talking about the the invasion of Stalingrad. And on paper there's roads, and it's fine. But then, like – well, yeah, these are dirt roads with no infrastructure in the middle of friggin' nowhere. Yeah. They turn to just mud. They turn to yeah. goo mud. But then that goo mud is also in a forest that's a thousand friggin' years old and woolly mammoths could still live in there. And you'd have no idea about it. Yeah, like, truly. Yeah, truly. Woo. That's, that's pretty, that's, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. So he ends up in Vanavara. That's where he talks to uh, Simeon Semenov. And it's so hard to not say Semenov. And I'm trying my best. <laughs> He talks to him, and that that's the guy who we're, that we I quoted earlier in the episode. He talks to him and gets the story and gets super horned up from it because Semenov, give, Semenov whatever, gives him his bearing. So he then mm. hires a local Enki guide named Ilya who's going to take him 
through two days of awful Russian wilderness and spring or two days of awful Russian spring wilderness. Again, mud and goo in a forest full of saber-toothed tigers. Yeah. Allegedly. We don't know. Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> Could be. You don't know. And again, the, 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 the Tungus tribe talked about how, no, you don't go to this region. This was another problem he had. He couldn't find anyone to take him here because all the local tribes said, you don't go here. The Thunder God got really mad here and will murder your ass if you show up. Right. Yeah. But yeah, you know, Ilya, he was he was he was down to clown. He was in it to win. He's like, yeah, let's go, let's go find this, let's go find this meteor from Mother Russia. I'm in. <laughs> so after two days of migrating through this awful swamp forest, he comes to a clearing just in the middle of nowhere. The forest suddenly opens up, and Shabazz, he's in the clearing, and there it is. He's in the 830 square mile blast radius. Holy cow. Upon climbing up a ridge, he discovered that this blast radius was the shape of a butterfly. It had a 34-mile-long body. 34 miles long, Josh. Just that's the body. 34 miles long. And it's had four wings that extended 43 miles out. It was, he, he compared it to an opening butterfly pattern. That, uh... Uh... Like, I, like I, when you were talking about, well, maybe... It just blew up in a way that saved those two uh, uh, native guys. I didn't. Oh man! Now that's okay. Yeah. Inside, yeah. yeah. Inside this, this is this is uh. In, so sorry, so sorry. Inside all of this, it's all flat land. That's the most unsettling part. There are trees standing that have been stripped of their bark, and he notes that they have been they have been burnt from the top up, not from the bottom up. So it wasn't a forest fire that did this. Once again, you see this pattern in places that have been bombed with a nuclear weapon. Hmm. Well, yeah, because again, if it's if if all this energy is getting released above you in the atmosphere, then that only makes sense that it'll it'll start from the top down. Yeah. Hmm. Or go way back in time to last year around Christmas time, the Cash Landrum event, the UFO that scorched the trees from the bottom down or from the top down. Or scorch right. the tops of the trees as mm-hmm. it belched the fire. Yeah, just, just, <laughs> what could that be? We don't know. Yep. <laughs> so there's no impact crater here, which a meteor should have an impact crater. That's, mm-hmm. that's part of the fun of a meteor is the giant goddamn crater. And there isn't one. So he mm-hmm. spends 10 years because the Duma's funding him in 1930s that he better come up with something, because communism doesn't fail, and if it does, you go to the goddamn Lubyanka. Yeah. He forms a hypothesis that, hey, there's all these little tiny lakes around here. We'll dr- these lakes are the impact craters, the meteor shattered in the air, and it shotgunned the earth, and that's what, that accounts for the succession of blasts, that accounts for the, for the artillery fire-like sound. So he drains the lakes, he hires, a, at, once he's gone here, He's convinced local Enkvi that, like, hey, man, look, this is cool. And they're like, okay, fine, whatever. You're not dead. Ilya's straight. We're all good. So he convinces them to help him start draining these ponds so that he can find, so that he can hopefully find this meteor because he, he kind of promised the Russian government that he'd do yeah. it. And that was a great theory until his hopes were dashed when he found a stump at the bottom of the lake, which just means that th- this little pond was naturally occurring. It's just a it's divot in forever. the ground. It's just a sink. It's, it's nothing. So there's that one. And oh, no. Then in 1938, he arranged for a series of aerial photographs to be taken. 
which I think this is cool. Yeah, it's 1938. We have planes. But the idea, mm-hmm. even to me, that it's 1938, we're taking pictures of stuff, that's yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We, we, we have this technology. We're still figuring it out. But let's try to make the most of what we have. Yeah. Yeah, make the most of it, right? Like, have some fun. And, and, and Russia's kind of doing their best. They're, they're, they're sort of kind of prospering. It's all right. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck it. Yeah, have fun. Throw money at it. It'll be cool. So, um, he has these um, pictures taken. And all this footage was collected. And then it was promptly destroyed by Yegevni Krinov, the chair of the Committee of Meteorites. At, or the chair of the Committee of Meteorites. 1,500 negatives were destroyed. And it's not Russian-like censorship or suppression. It's because we were afraid of fil- of nitrite film in the 1930s. Because if you've seen Inglorious Bastards, nitrite film burns that up like true. crazy. Yeah, fifteen hundred negatives, Josh. Like, I my heart bleeds at this like idea. Yeah, it is. It it, it is that idea of we're so careful to just. And, and and so lucky to have any bit of uh, evidence or scrap of paper from the past, even things that we don't think are that important. And it's like, why would some future yeah historian or whatever be interested in uh, yeah this book or, or a bunch of these uh, um, photograph negatives? Like, didn't show anything. Let's just burn it. Um, yeah. Oh man. Oh that. Let's ugh. just burn it. Like. It's so, it's heartbreaking, like, but so then this is 1938, he's been at this for 10 years, and then, as with all things cool in life, the Nazis show up and fuck everything up. World War II comes to Russia, and once again, just as in World War One, well, hey, no more expeditions out, we've got, you know, everybody's, whoops, all conscriptions, like, <laughs> suddenly everybody's into the war effort, and we don't care about your little meteor program, space rock boy. Yeah. <laughs> and Kulik doesn't get what he wants. And it's a really sad ending because he's sort of the hero of this story. Because Kulik is the best idea of a boots-on-the-ground investigator that we have. There were some expeditions that were conducted in the 1930s. And they found super high concentrations of uh, nickel and iron. Mm. Which this is in alignment of like a meteorite strike. You get certain minerals that appear. Right, you were right. Yeah, and that's how they can figure out like, oh, this is probably like a like a terrestrial metal yeah. versus oh, there's there's higher concentrations or lower concentrations of this thing. So, um, yeah. Well, I'm glad you touched there because they also during these 1960s expeditions, they took samples of uh, peat bogs or they took samples from peat bogs and they found that there was high levels of iridium. And iridium comes out of meteorites and most famously um, think of, there's this thing called the KT boundary, and it's literally the moment when the asteroid hit the, uh, Chicxulub crater in Mexico and murdered the dinosaurs. And it distributed this super, super, super thin layer of ultra fine, just kind of white clay. And it's, it's got, what is it? 300 times the amount of iridium found anywhere else on earth. Iridium doesn't occur on earth. It's mostly in outer space, except for this one band, the KT boundary, and you can you can see it. You can see this anywhere in the world, and it's super cool. But iridium's hard to come by. They're finding it in these peat bogs, so they're kind of getting okay. Well, maybe it is a meteor. I mean, because that yeah, if 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 some of that evidence is pointing in that direction, I mean, yeah, yeah. 
And so from there, we kind of break down a little bit more because, again, we don't know what it was. There's only one guy studying it, and then there's a couple other guys studying it a little bit later on. Hmm. The prevailing theory is something called the Earth Impactor Theory. And it states that a meteor made up of iron and ice and volatiles exploded just right above the atmosphere. The resulting mm. energy was, uh, so it hit the atmosphere at 9 miles per second at an elevation of about 6 to 10 kilometers or 4 to 6 meter, <sighs> miles, sorry, need to write better notes, um, <laughs> above the Earth. Early mm. estimates of this explosion calculated that the output was between, and go back in time to Ode Demand Part 2, uh, yep. 42 to 63 petajoules. That was the, like, low end, right? Mm-hmm. That outclasses the bomb that we dropped on Japan, just at the lowest estimate it does. Little Because Little Boy was 30... Uh, because, yeah, sorry. That results in 15 to 30, depending on the scaling, uh, megatons of energy. Little Boy was 30. Mm. But now, more recent scalings of this estimated at about 130 petajoules... Which is, which is the same as the Tsar Bomba, the, the 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 biggest bomb we've ever done, or that anybody's ever done. This occurred in Earth's atmosphere in 1908. Before anybody, again, the Tsar Bomba was the biggest that we got, and then we all collectively decided to go, okay, maybe not. Yeah, maybe we should stop. But this. that was in what 1950, mm-hmm. and instead you have this thing above the atmosphere just blowing up and here's where my head shattered scientists think that we get one of these events about every 1000 years just the Mm -hmm. asteroid will break up in the will break up on and try it again the asteroid shatters apart in the atmosphere but the resulting concussion from all the residual energy produces that much energy it as much as the biggest bomb we've ever detonated proving once again that man ain't shit yeah right yeah this is this is just a after thousands of years of uh, cultural and civilizational progress and then decades uh, really refining and honing in on this one specific thing, uh, it's like maybe as good as a random meteorite or meteor passing through the atmosphere. Maybe as good. Cut to Omni-Man holding up Leonid Kulik like, look, Leonid, look what they have to do to match a sample of my power. Yeah. Omni meteor, yeah, 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 truly omni meteor, or even like, uh, and 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 yeah, that's even like compared to uh, what we think uh, killed the dinosaurs, like the Tunguska meteor was was probably yeah the Mark version of that, and then the 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 and and, and then the uh, when they killed the dinosaurs would have been the uh, the Omni Man. <laughs> that's just, oh my god, that's just crazy. That's just wow. It, but then that we get something like this every thousand years is what really hurts me. Like, we're probably due. Yeah. Well, I yeah. guess we're not due. I guess we're safe because this was in 1900. So we're, you and I are solid, but like, oh man, yeah, look out we're... for 2090.08. They're screwed. Yeah, right. Just um, start uh, start synchronizing your clocks now, folks, and then pass that on to your children and then their children and their children's children and then... Um... And then yeah, you'll be glad. You'll be you'll you'll be grateful that you did. <laughs> but two wizards will still be recording even then. Two wizards will be going strong. We'll be on Cryptid Olympics um 280. What do you have brain in a jar, Josh? I have the greatest cryptid 
the human man. Ooh. I'm sticking with the Gloacus. What do you have in your nutrient take this time? In my nutrient take is solution 17B. Ooh, that's a good one. You can taste the pumpkin. I've said before, I'm sick of IPABs. I'm sick of them. Try something else, guys. A thousand years in the future, I'm still bitching about beer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm still bitching about. I swear, one day this IPA bubble will burst. You said that 1,070 years ago. It's, it's, a, it's, it's coming. coming. <laughs> a thousand years, there's still IPAs. <laughs> yeah. The rule of the IPA for a thousand years until two brave wizards <laughs> rise to challenge the, ty- the tyrant. <laughs> Before we continue, I think I need to kind of like cool down my brain. I think my trying to process some of these big numbers and all that, uh, it's kind of making my brain feel like it can burn the hairs off of animal hides. So let me... Let me <laughs> Let me try this other shandy here. Maybe that will help uh, help help cool down the internal temperature a bit. Okay. Okay. All right. Here we go. Okay. We'll see how that bad boy plays. Um, All right. Bit, good so. enough, Yen. Mm. I I forget how much I like Blue Moon. I don't I don't like it. Does that make sense? I don't. Right. It's like I like PBR. Mm-hmm. I, I I do like PBR. But I don't like Blue Moon, but man, every like, I'd say every other like year, I'm into mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it just kind of comes back around and the planets align and you're like, all right, this is, this is okay. This is okay. Because it's a Blue Moon. Okay, <laughs> I get it. Actually, I think kind of on this topic, uh, funnily enough, there was a, I don't know if this is a sci-fi movie or something like that, but there's a crappy trailer that came out not too long ago called Moonfall. And it's like, a Oh my similar... God, I saw that. that. I'm so excited for that. Yes. It looks Which, so yeah. good. It's like, like sim- okay, it doesn't look kind of good, concept. but I right. want it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, like similar kind of concept. Uh, something happens that gets the moon out of its relatively stable orbit, uh, not to crash into the earth, but to just pass right above it. And uh, uh, maybe it's aliens or something. I don't know. But uh, one of my YouTube channels that I like uh, keeping up with, his name is Scott Manley, and he does a bunch of space stuff. He'll do, like, rocket launches and talk about uh, astrophysics and things. And so he found this game called, um, uh, was it Universe Sandbox? Maybe even Universe Sandbox 2? Where it is. It's basically like, here's a physics-based, yeah, like, playground for the universe. Um, And you can, like, change the distance of orbits and temperatures and stuff like that. And so he simulates like, well, yeah, what would this be oh, like? Man. What would it be like if the moon, something happened to it that uh, caused it to dip, I think like 9,000 kilometers. Um, and like the Kármán line, quote unquote, the, the boundary between space and atmosphere is about 100 uh, kilometers. Mm-hmm. So like, nine percent the way to space what, what would happen if uh if the moon crashed down there? and of course like it's just bad like bad things happen <laughs> oh like yeah but still, so during yeah doing research for this like because i was watching like 
I, I wanted to see, like, what happens if a meteor hits us. So I found that stupid uh, History Channel docuseries, Armageddon or whatever, that they put out oh, in, like, yeah. 2012. Mm-hmm. Remember when the world was going to end in 2012 and everyone got really weird about it? And I think we're really disappointed that it didn't end because yeah. we, had, like, projected this idea and all this was going to happen and then it didn't. But, yeah. so, I watched that, and then my YouTube algorithm got weird, and long story short, I fall asleep researching, because whatever, I work a lot. <laughs> and I wake up, and it's like, and then the planet hits the Earth, and devastates it. And it's like, Jesus Christ, what's happening? It's <laughs> fucking nightmare fuel, man. Like, the moon drops at us, Josh, we're so... Yeah. We're... All of this has just taught me, like, because I looked up, like, comets and stuff, and like, how do we combat them? And you, you can't. You you you, yeah. you can't. We're just gonna we're just gonna die. Like we're just gonna. Oh, yeah, it's awful, it would be. Dude. Yeah, it would be like so insanely, stupidly hard to try and do something to like intercept a comet and like and like not blow it up. Uh, Armageddon. That's just a terrible idea. But like you alter its trajectory, you alter its orbit just enough, and the farther away you uh, intercept it then kind of the easier it is. But but again, it's talking about burning masses of amounts of fuel. And the heavier the thing is, the heavier the payload you put up there, well, sure, the faster and the easier it is to alter this comet's trajectory, but that just requires more um, rocket fuel uh, to, to get it up there. So yeah, mm-hmm. functionally, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do. We're Yeah, we're boned. That's it. We're just boned. We're just boned. We're just boned. Um, anyway, sorry. So no, no, no. what is this thing? We don't know. We think it's a meteor. And, and so it also bums me out because I've known about this case for, for a long time. I think I found out about this in college and thought it was cool. And uh-huh. then I looked into it later on and thought it was cool. And now the generally accepted idea is that it was a meteor. It broke up in atmosphere and the result, it, it broke up in something called an airburst and the resulting kinetic energy was such that it produced 130 petajoules. It produced the same amount as the goddamn Zarbaba and we're just fine with it. And fine. If you, that's what you want to say, fine. You can call it that. But Josh, this would not be a two wizards podcast if I did not abandon reason for madness. So do you want to get super stupid? <laughs> Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Woo! All Woo! right. So, so number one, going back to our theory of this was a bomb. It wasn't a bomb. Maybe it was a bomb, but I'm about to drop a knowledge bomb. So this blast pattern of the butterfly shape, these were um, these were produced by humans. No way. It was something called Operation Blowdown in the Belgian Congo when this was in 1960 that they produced this pattern with artillery. In 1960, doesn't help us. It's 51 years too or 52 years too late for this to help us, but. We have the idea of it might have been some type of weapon. There is ideas that maybe this was some type of proto-artillery that just somehow went awry. I mean, that's... We've talked before about how, you know, America has uh, unknowingly bombed New Mexico and Old Mexico. Remember the Zona de Silencio from our Mm -hmm. uh, Terrifying Triangles episode? We talked about this bomb dropped and we didn't mean for it to because it went way off course. So maybe this is like... A super, super, somehow slipping under beneath every radar ultra missile. Maybe not quite ICBM, but something like that. Yeah, some sort of long range uh, device that uh, instead of heading west, uh, headed east. And yeah, just got over that way. Well, and because and, that's the other thing too, is, is, is I'm loath to kind of um, adopt this posture. But like, if that 
truly were what it was, there's no way that's going to come out. There's no way that oh, Russia will be no, like, you couldn't, no. All right, you caught us, we admit it. Yeah, there's no way that's going to happen. You just, you're just, you're just no. going to have to be like, oh, uh, no, don't you remember uh, Semenov? He went out into the woods and he, and he did his research. He took pictures from a plane and then all the film uh, was destroyed. But still, that's, that's where he was. Um, yeah, man. <laughs> no, no, no. We destroyed because it's nitrite film, not because there's hidden images no, right. of UFOs and ICBNs. <laughs> no, it's fine. Or vodka. Come on now. Yeah, or, or that's it too. What's, what are you doing? Maybe there was a giant uh, Zeppelin that they were keeping under wraps to like transport. Mm-hmm. It'll be like the intercontinental uh, vodka Zeppelin. The ICVZ. <laughs> the, and the, the, the I weird backwards K. Yeah. J with a hook. M. Because yeah. M is still M in Cyrillic. Yeah, M is still, yeah. That, that's just what it is. And then, yeah, like, uh, maybe somebody was drinking at the wheel. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, another theory. Okay. And so, again... This is where I just got stupid and I tried to find everything dumb that might have happened. There's a theory <laughs> that this was caused by an extraterrestrial ship that came into Earth and they had a okay, so how does this break down? A an extra some type of alien warship appears in Earth's atmosphere. They're on their way to go cuz again, this is 1930s logic, right? They're mm-hmm. on their way to go attack something else. And instead of doing that, they see this weird uninhabited stretch of a planet and go, if I drop my payload here, no one's going to know the difference. So aliens yeah. bombed Earth. That's one mm-hmm. of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another one that claims that it is an ancient Japanese spaceship <laughs> that was coming back from an interstellar journey. And the flash. Okay. So, you know, in Star Trek, when the ships go to warp and come out of warp and they just flop, stop. Yeah. So the idea is, and again, this is old time dumb thinking. The thing comes out of whatever and hits so hard that that impact projects forward, and that's the Tunguska explosion. Okay, mm, I mean? maybe not. But then, but then we have the even more plausible theory, Josh. If we're gonna go with aliens, because we're already here, we already did Cash Landron. They already burnt the trees. It's the same aliens in Texas. Don't worry, baby. It's Jesus. Don't worry. In nineteen in the nineteen fifties, there was a Russian scientist named S. Krivyakov. And he mm-hmm. believed that the explosion was a Martian spaceship that broke up on entry into Earth. Now, what do we know about Mars, Josh, especially in the 1950s? That it's dry as hell and all red and all they want to do is invade us. So they came down here to go to Lake Baikal. That's why this happened up by Lake Baikal. And these Martians were going to come get water. They were going to take the water out of Baikal, which, by the way, holds the largest amount of, fro- of non-frozen fresh water on the entire planet. Lake yeah. Baikal should probably get its own stupid episode for two wizards because it is horrifyingly just, it's so weird. And everyone talks about how weird it is. They think that there's aliens that live beneath it. They think that there's mermaids that live inside of it. They think it's a path to the hollow earth. Lake Baikal is insane, but this one Martian pilot, he was trying to get to Lake Baikal to steal Earth's water, and instead of doing that, his engines malfunctioned, and then his spaceship exploded over Tunguska, over this area, and that's what created the pattern. (laughs) 
I mean, it makes as much sense as any as anything else that we've talked about. Well, and that's the other thing too is is right to like kind of like what you're saying about the film getting destroyed that we have any surviving evidence of this even if it is just like sociological hey let me uh hand out these papers to everybody uh and like get their input on it like even even just that is is a miracle and we just we just barely hit that um hit that cusp of like Having the yeah. technology to fly planes around and check this shit out, yeah, like, 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 truly. And I even, I even, I really wish that I could believe this stuff because it is so fun and so dumb. Mm-hmm. But okay, so and you just called it. There's as much evidence for this as anything else. Another yeah. theory, and this has since been debunked, based off of everything that I consumed this time of looking at it. But this was an old theory that I was aware of. A micro-singularity manifested right above Earth, right above this region. So think, Josh, a tiny, tiny, tiny Mm -hmm. pinprick of a black hole manifested and then snuffed out. And then when it snuffed out, because it absorbed whatever it had to do, it did whatever a black hole does, then Mm -hmm. it collapsed. That's what created this explosion. I I mean, again, like, we we can't... There's some things we can kind of rule out, but never to zero. Like, never... Yeah. Never to zero. And so who but knows? But even maybe? then, like, um, I, I've watched the... Do you know, if I say Kyrgyzstat, does that mean anything to you? That weird, mm-hmm. like, it's a YouTube channel with the cool cartoony animations? Mm-hmm. I watched, they, I watched their video on what would happen if a black hole formed in your pocket. And the long and short of it is, you're fucked, I'm fucked, we're all fucked, we're all dead. That's it. Game over, man. Game over. Yeah, That's it. Game over. Call it. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. probably a micro-singularity did not manifest over the Tungus River. But I have one more theory. Okay. Okay. And keep in mind, I have really purported I, to me. We, I asked you if it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, whatever. It's a duck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To me, especially with the heat blast, heat is not associated with meteor strikes. They don't really produce heat. Mm. And everyone talked about heat. I True. believe it was a weapon, but not a weapon that you and I would think about. Mm. I have one final theory. And I am presenting this from Weird Science and Bizarre Beliefs by Dr. Gregory L. Reese. He posits that it was none other than your favorite and my favorite tech wizard, Nikola fucking Tesla, playing with death rays. <laughs> I mean, again, out of all the possibilities, there are some some of them that I would rule out before I would rule out Tesla. So... Because mind you, 1908, this is when Tesla's living in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Just saying. He's busy blowing holes in the side of Pikes Peak with his fun electricity. <laughs> um, so according to Weird, or Weird Science and Bizarre Beliefs, uh, Tesla was known for a death ray. According to David Hatcher Childress, the ray worked in relation to a charged tower. If any ship or airplane entered the electric field generator by the tower, their electrical system would be destroyed by beams of high energy particles. Tesla and Childress both claimed that the energy could be transmitted over great distances with great precision. They write, Such a transmitter would be capable of projecting the energy of a nuclear warhead by radio. Any location in the world could be vaporized in the speed of light. Childress believes that Tesla successfully tested this test. Try this again. 
successfully tested this death ray on one occasion, on June 30, 1908. On this date, a horrific explosion occurred in the stony Tunguska River in Siberia. The explosion was reported to have flattened half a million acres of pine forest, with, while some have suggested that this event was caused by a meteor that exploded on impact, Childress believes that the Tunguska event was the result of a test firing by Tesla's death ray. It is believed that knowledge of Tesla's death ray has been controlled by the U.S. government. And, but, 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 because there's always a grain of truth in conspiracy theories, and that much of the research related to the Strategic Defense Initiative, or Star Wars Missile Defense System, is based off of Tesla's technology. Bam! Tesla attacked Russia, as we know. Tesla was from Bo Bosnia-Herzegovina, probably not the friendliest of chaps with Russia. Was it a controlled test, or was he trying to hit something? Do we know? I don't know. Do you know? What do you think, Josh? It looks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, it walks like a duck, it's probably a meteor, or is it a goddamn death ride by our favorite wizard in the entire world? Again, like, I can't, I can't necessarily rule out that this is a death ray duck. And I and being honest, there's a part of me that doesn't want to. There's a part of me that wants to hold on to the fact of like, you know, maybe he kind of calculated that. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to point it this direction, but still in a sparsely populated area because if because if it does work, and it flattens a like a city proper, uh, yeah, there's going to be lots of questions. So if I just find some region that is like still kind of close so that people can report on it. Mm -hmm. And I have my like uh, uh, confirmation that way. I mean, the only way that we'd find out is if we, you know, went back in time a uh, hundred years ago or so and like uh, picked him up as he was walking through the desert and uh, yeah. tried to decipher his crazy wizard Babylese. <laughs> um So I'm, I mean, it, it, it truly does. I think, I think it is just something very clearly happened here, and the impulse to try to explain it away and to try to make sense of it is is a human one, uh, but then also the impulse to kind of like obscure some things and not let the truth out. That's that's also kind of a human impulse. So, absolutely, but. There's just so much of it, and yeah, was it a meteorite? Probably. But I was reading some calculations, and it was saying, like, the size of this thing would be devastating if it was a straight iron meteorite because of how much energy mm -hmm. it produced. Yeah. But then I'm also reading that stuff like this happens every thousand years, and I don't think we know. I really, There's no way that we yeah. can know. But then the other half of it is, okay, so it is Tesla played with the death ray. Did this happen anywhere else? Like... Did, did Tesla like? So yeah, he, pick, he picks he picks Russia test? because like whatever it's in Siberia, it's isolated. So did like Tesla ever death ray Antarctica because he knows nothing's down there? You know? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But also, as far as that goes, how many weird clandestine government tests have there been of weapons in places we don't know? Like, true. And the more yeah. I think about it, the more my head hurts, and I'm just like, no, nah, it's a black hole by made by Nikola Tesla by an exploding Martian <laughs> spaceship. It's fine. I don't know. Because I don't want to think about the horrible yeah. fireball death of meteorites. Like, because shit, that one's terrible. We've already seen him wipe out all right. life on Earth once before. Like, yeah, no, truly, truly. Well, and I, um, well, and I, I, 
I don't know if you were going to bring this up or if or something like that, but we do for if it maybe saves a little bit of our sanity. Um, we do have recorded evidence of of kind of a similar type event, uh, much closer to you and I, mm-hmm. and much more studied. And uh, this is the Chelyabinsk meteor. Have you heard about this one? Or and see, were you going to bring up this I, one? I, it's so close to it, but I didn't want to skew. Yeah. T- I want to skew my answer to Tesla's death threat. I didn't want to yeah. cover this because I'm also afraid of throwing too much science into it. But yeah, no, you got here, so lay it on me, baby. Yeah, so this is uh, 15th of February, 2013. Very similar uh, event that matches up a lot of the hypothesis of what happened with the Tunguska um, event. And, and it was, it was a meteor uh, airburst bur- air that uh, flew over Russia and exploded. And uh, this one was closer to a city. And so uh, the non-fatal injuries are tallied somewhere around just shy of 1500, uh, 14, 1491. And, uh, and, and yeah, and, and, uh, Russia, there are many, many things that, man, man you want to, uh, Russia, Tadena. <laughs> um, <laughs> but one of the things that we can be grateful, the the sometimes to good elements of uh, uh, 21st century Russia is everybody has dash cams. Yes. Because they're tired of getting um, like car insurance fraud claims brought against them. And so everybody has dash cams. And one of the most famous uh, 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 bits of footage from this uh, Chelyabinsk. Uh, Ch- Chel- Chel- Chelyabinsk. Yeah. Uh, I think I, you hit it the first time you yeah. said it. Like you're in your own yeah, head. And then, Josh. And then I, don't be scared. Yeah, I, I, I do. I was I was overthinking. Uh, but but it, it's from it's from some dude's uh, uh, car as he's as he's driving around, and um, and so I'll leave that as an exercise to the viewers, or I don't know, maybe we can find a GIF of, of something of, of it. Yeah, we'll, the, we'll throw it up on Twitter or like find a promotion YouTube video or yeah, whatever. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, and so, um, yeah, this one, what we think, if it is similar, if it is like a similar kind of thing uh, to what happened with the Tunguska event, um, estimates say that the uh, Chelyabinsk meteor uh, it was probably like um, 20 meters in diameter. Mm-hmm. So, again, like 60, 70 feet across. Uh, and maybe the Tunguska meteor, if this is what actually happened, would be maybe like sixty-five uh, meters. In and diameter. see, that's where I get so hung up because, like, Chelyabinsk was yeah, pretty impressive, that's monstrous. But... Yeah. And so, and, and so it is, and so it is. Like uh, any attempt to describe it on this podcast would not do justice. This is truly one of those uh, moments where uh, a picture is worth a thousand words, or a YouTube video is worth a million. Um, so, so, so yes, I, but what if we do this? What if we, what if we play that card? What if we say, uh, again, this is right after 2012 when people thought their world was going to end. And so here's all these internet researchers looking up the Tunguska event and getting close to the truth. So what if, uh, the Russian government at the time is like, comrades, we must, uh, find some sort of way to, uh, dissuade all these uh, internet nerds from finding out the truth about Tunguska. Why don't we replicate this? Uh, and, and, and it'll be much smaller. It'll it'll throw the uh, suspicion off of our trail. 
and everybody says duh as so who knows man who knows josh i'm just saying i presented yeah. you with the idea that nikola tesla used a death ray to make this happen that it was a micro black mm-hmm. hole and you're coming at me with the chablinsk meteorite was fucking russian disinformation I love that fucking idea, buddy. I thought I was the craziest one tonight, but you win Crazy Wizard title, sir. You win Crazy this Wizard where, boxing. <laughs> this is this is where we are after Market Garden Summer Shandies. Holy shit, no. My head hurts from that. Because yeah. what if it is? How easy is it? Like, especially now. We already said, okay, so yeah. So Tunguska Meteor... Uh, at, at its big, at its smallest, it's little boy. At its biggest, it's Zar Bomba. So we just reproduce this. It's easy. It's old hat now. Hell, you can probably do this with like sonic technology by this point. Just like have a plane do it, and then just hey, fake some fucking dash cam footage. It's siege. Oh my god, Josh. Oh my god. <laughs> like, can you hear my head exploding? Do does it sound like falling rocks or artillery fire? Sounds like a bunch of uh, iron thunderbirds uh, flapping their metallic, dreadful wings in the with glowing red eyes. With glowing red eyes, yeah. Well, and because uh, I mean, uh, rocket technology has certainly um, improved since all that time. So it, it, even if it isn't like a, just a pure ballistic thing, yeah, sure, maybe one of the Soyuz missions. Like, oh, all right, we'll refuel the International Space Station. Uh, but before we get there, here's this little. Here's this little package that uh, we're just going to whip around the moon real quick and then send that motherfucker like screaming back. Oh, my God. That it. Sorry, my head exploded. I. Josh, what? What? What's happening? <laughs> well, and. Oh, my and, God. And, also, and like you were saying, too, if, if, if this is post uh, 2012 and everyone's all hyped up, like, man, if ever there's a time to like. Uh, do some red herrings or some uh, false flag type stuff. I mean, you I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Like the giant, like, yeah, the, the, the Mayan or the Aztec apocalypse didn't happen, but no, nah, there's a giant meteor. Oh God. Yeah. It wasn't. They're covering up a weapons. To, oh God. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> but, like, oh, man. Oh God. The like outcome is more horrifying than the truth. I love it. <laughs> You blew my damn... You... You activated your damn trap card, Josh, and you blew my fucking head apart. You... In real time, in real time, my head is blowing apart. I'm trying to, like, correlate this, and I can't. Oh, shit. Which is also... Which is also kind of funny, because I think one of the last times that I maybe got you this good was our other uh, space episode way back when. And I was talking about Apophis and uh, some of the other potential near-Earth objects that are coming through. So maybe that's just your... Maybe that's your trigger mark, like any sort of big rocky thing from space and or the government um, producing a a facsimile of big rocky thing from space. Maybe that's just, I just know how to push your buttons, man. Well, because even though you already hit it with like the rods from God and stuff and like, Mm. you know, there's that idea that we will um, declassify old tech before we reveal what we already have. So by the time we saw the rods from God, like... By this point, we probably have the Mac cannons from Halo, like the tungsten, yeah. like the the tungsten school buses that are fired on a um, magnetic rail line. Right. And yeah. God. I... <laughs> Once again, what we don't know is horrifying, and then what we do know is even worse. And it's even worse. I want to go worse. screaming into the safety of a new dark age. A new dark age. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, I think now that summer has ended, that opportunity will. We'll be here closer than you think, buddy. You know, 
Woo-hoo! Yeah, daylight savings time coming up, and uh, <laughs> winter is stuff. coming. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Which also, speaking, we, we we were talking a minute uh, off mic about Civ Six. Sean Bean, there it is again, man. It is Sean Bean, right? Because that's been yeah. messing with me. Yeah, I just rewatched it's, it's the Lord of the Rings. And I'm like, no, you're you're attributing Sean Bean to where Sean Bean doesn't exist. But <laughs> yeah. you got Sean Bean on the brain, and uh, he says like, "I've always liked the pig," <laughs> whatever it is when you yeah that Winston Churchill animal. quote <laughs> yeah whenever you research um, animal husbandry. <laughs> I always wondered if clay felt good in the potter's hands. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, so golly. Tunguska event, Tunguska uh, guys, listeners, what do you think? Was it a meteor? Probably. Was it an asteroid? Not as much. Maybe more an asteroid because I feel like asteroids are more of an ice composition than metallic composition. Um, yep. Was it? Was it an ancient Japanese spaceship snapping back into war? I wish I could find more on that shit, but I found it on a podcast, I mean, and I mm. from two thousand and seven. I think I found the podcast was dated, and so like. Of course, there's no information on this. Right. I I also kind of wish that it was uh, Kaguya Hime coming back and be like, <laughs> oh, no, I forgot. Um, I left my sunglasses uh, here, but I but I was on the moon living for hundreds of years, and I forgot about that. So I just was going to bring it right back around, and then, whoops, uh, <laughs> instead of halting the warp drive outside of the atmosphere, it was a little, it was a little close for comfort. Whoops. <laughs> But yes, listeners, oh, let us yeah. know. Tell us your theories. Maybe you have, uh, maybe your uh, home office, uh, as I imagine Mark's, is just decked out with maps and red string and uh, pictures of these uh, early 21st century Russian mineralogists. Uh, yeah, tell us, tell us your thoughts. Tell us your ideas. Uh, Mark, how can, they, how can they get a hold of us? Um, you can do that by going to uh, twowizardspodcast at gmail.com. Two Wizards Podsy one on Twitter. You can find me at Marky Stardust on Twitter, and you can find Josh at Plaid Barbarian. And also, really quick, funny story to get into like the mindset for this episode. I've been listening to, for whatever reason, I've been listening to Russian classical music on Spotify, and so it made my algorithm super weird. So it kind of turned into that to like the like people's national anthem from like. The, the like Soviet anthem, you know, yeah. the dum, bum, bum, bum. But so then the other day I had my phone on Spotify and the cooler were breaking down load and the goddamn uh, Panzer anthem from the Nazis starts playing. Oh no. And my boss is like, Buffalo, what is this? I'm like, I don't know, but it sounds kind of cool, huh? And it's like, oh God, it's Nazi oh, Panzer music. It's, it's Nazi <laughs> tank songs. But man, Nazi tank songs kind of slap, Josh. I don't know. I'm really conflicted yeah. about everything right now. Are you we guys can... conflicted about Nazi tank themes? Let us know. Yeah. Do you, are you able to separate the art from the artist? Tell, tell us. Let us know. Uh, share your... Did you uh, enjoy our Lovecraft episode? Ha, ha, yeah. ha. Uh, send us your uh, lo-fi panzer songs to uh, study to. Because, uh, yeah, I'm in grad school. I'll, I'll take it. Um. Hell yeah. I, I'm into weird stuff. Let me hear it. Um, also, uh, quick plug. You can also, if you don't get enough of me right here on two wizards, if you don't get enough of me, Mark right now, you can find me on our, on my other podcast, dangle podcast, where me and my buddy, Johnny take two episodes of King of the Hill and watch it and rate it and review it and see if it still holds up to the tests of time and age and scrutiny and spoilers. Some of them get super, super problematic and bad <laughs> insert con super Newsome poem. <laughs> yeah, because right. Toby Huss is white, but 
But yeah. hey, if nothing else to our credit, Johnny and I are real woke. We're not assholes, so that's fun. Josh, yeah, do you have anything fun or anything else? Because I feel bad plugging side um, projects. No, not at all. Uh, as we're expanding and uh, welcoming more members uh, into the fold of uh, uh, House House High Hammock uh, Studios, yeah, the more the merrier, man. The more the merrier. And who knows? Maybe one day we'll um, we'll finally get a chance to all be together, go out on a camping trip. Um, I just ordered on Amazon this uh, this animal hide tent, so we'll Ooh. set that up in the yeah we'll set that up in the mountains. And uh, if I have taken away nothing else from this episode. That uh, uh, caribou fur uh, really keeps the microburst out. <laughs> Literally save these save natives like yeah just yeah it blew dudes. them away it blew them but like they were safe it, yeah elven cloaks essentially caribou hide is elven cloaks from Lord of the Rings there it is also it is. my final thought is this was in fact Ogde the thunder god guys do not piss off the Don't gods mess. make Don't your mess sacrifices fall mm-hmm. is coming. Get up on it, guys! Like we yeah. have, we yeah. have Walpurgis knocked just around the corner. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're right with it. Don't skimp on harvest festivals, guys. All right. So there yeah, we go. you you have. There's not much time left, but you do have time to do a little shopping uh, to uh, uh, be propitiated uh, by by the old gods. Uh, <laughs> and I think on that note, uh, uh, that that's it for me. I'm Josh. I'm a wizard. I'm Mark. I'm a wizard. Josh blew my head apart and it hurts now. I think I smell burnt toast. Maybe it's burning meteor. Maybe I hear the rattle of artillery thunder. I can't say. I don't know where I am. Thanks for listening, guys. We love each and every one of you. Hit us up. Talk to us. It means the damn world to us that you're all here with us this long. We love you all, everyone. Good night, everybody. Indeed. Take care. He rolled upon his back and after that, I killed them all!